This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC on location, Ursa 2019 San Diego. I'm here with a new friend of mine, Sean Stewart, COO of O2 Fitness, hailing from Raleigh, but his background is based in Florida in NFL-related sports and conditioning. So, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. So why don't you first give people uh, your background on, uh, you know, how you started out, how you got into the industry, and then you and I will talk about what it takes to operate a multi-unit operation. And if we've got uh, general managers out there that want to potentially, you know, in three to five years say, hey, I'm running a bigger operation, you know, they know what it's going to take to – to kind of man up and get ready to do something like that. Absolutely. So I got started in this industry in 94. Uh, I was a freshman at the University of Florida. And uh, ironically, my sister, she was a senior when I was an incoming freshman. And she was working at a local health club, Gainesville Health and Fitness. She was working with Joe Cerulli. And when I moved to Gainesville, I lived with her. And she, of course, said, if you're going to live with me, you're going to have a job. So she hired me. <laughs> no, part- free rides <laughs> no free rides with the oldest sister. So she hired me basically to do some cleaning, set some set up machines and uh, just do some basic stuff. And I ended up being there for over 20 years. Wow. So w- one thing that I really enjoyed about my time there was I got to do basically every aspect of this industry. You name it, I've done it. And that really helped me in the experience going from one club to now overseeing 30 clubs to still really be in touch with the frontline staff, uh, teaching, coaching, every aspect of the business. And uh, when, when you look at a company that size, the, the, one of the most challenging things is to get inside of every club on a regular basis. So right. my, my goal is to be inside of every club at least uh, once a month. Gotcha. And it, how far, just so people understand, like the scope of O2, you know, what, 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 what are the parameters or the, you know, the, the, the sure. you know, scope of, of the territory? Yeah, our 30 clubs are spread out between North and South Carolina. Uh, we, we, in the Triangle Market, the Raleigh-Durham, Chapel Hill Market, we're in the Wilmington Market, okay. uh, and the Greater Charleston Market. And next month, we will open up our first club in Greensboro, which will be a new market for us. Great, great. So um, let's focus first on what you just talked about, which was basically, you know, you started at the ground floor. And I've toured clubs. I've been doing this now for, you know, since 1999. So when I toured clubs with a guy who had one club, his ability or her ability to go around and basically, you know, pick up something on the floor or like, you know, wash the, the mirror. Like they don't even think about them doing they're not marketing to me. Like they, I'm, I'm, I'm going in there as their advisor or their friend. They're, they're walking me through the club. But they instinctually say like, hey, look, this is like my house and I'm going to treat it like my house. And if I treat it like this way, then I then my employees see that I'm doing it. So they pick it up garbage in like the you know, in the parking lot, they're like cleaning a window. They're like pointing things out like that shirts, you know, turned around or the hangers, not the right way. So, and they also, they understand each component to the business and like, cause they did it before. So they you know, spend a little time, like what, what have you learned over time? And like from a, whether it's attention to detail, whether it's like eye contact, you know, like what are some of your hot buttons where you say like, this is the way I do things. This is the way I used to do them. And this is how you're going to do them. Ironically, I was able to catch up with someone uh, yesterday who we worked together in Gainesville 20, 25 years ago. And we were talking about just this topic of how through our careers, we've had an opportunity to 
to do every aspect from working the kids club, working the front desk, putting in systems, creating everything. And he made the comment from, cause he's now a um, CEO. He said, I, I really appreciated that experience because he never had to be afraid to have the wrong person doing a job because he could always step in and do it himself. Got it, interesting. And I, I looked at it and I said, I, I looked at it a little bit differently from the standpoint of even though that was certainly the case for, throughout my career, w- what I enjoyed the most about doing that is to this day when I do club visits, I can coach every aspect of uh, any job. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite things I get, I get to do is go into a club and pull a cleaner aside and say, hey, you're doing a great job. Let me show you how to do that a little bit better. Let me show you this. What ideas do you have for me? And to be able to coach every aspect is is critical in everything that we do. So just so people know on the the show here in our audience that, you know, you work with NFL players. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, how how did that experience of basically – there's a way you just said something – that I, I've been around other people, and instead of like reprimanding or like scolding, you know, someone and saying like you got to do it my way, it's like, hey, let me show you the way that I, you could do this better, you know. So w- when you were a strength coach with you know elite athletes, how did you did you think about like, hey, I, I can't like I have to say this in a certain way for it to resonate because they don't need me lecturing them, but they need me knowing that I actually am coaching them up. Absolutely. It's, it's completely different when you're talking about that level of athlete. And the, the attention to detail was so critical in their strength gains. Right. Uh, there's, there's such a science at that level in working with elite athletes mm-hmm. that if you just miss one tiny little thing, it can destroy what their the results they're going for. Right. Or yeah, I could probably injure them as well. Right? Injure yeah. and good point. They also are not looking for the rah rah. Right. <laughs> they're, they're looking for uh, the, the 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 mindset, the brain, mm-hmm. the knowledge. Uh, it's and it takes it to a completely different level. So when when you look at right now with O2, you got you, you're you know your COO, you got thirty locations. How do you um, how do you get comfortable with Saying like, look, here's what I can control. Here's what I can't control. Here's like processes and systems I can put in place. And here's things that I got to just like constantly coach people up. I got to be in the clubs and I got to like reinforce it. Like, what have you done to be able to sleep at night and be able to say, look, look, I got this thing operating at like 90 plus percent. But like, you know, it's, it's 30 clubs. Like, is, I, I can't do everything and there's no way to quality control everything. How do you how do you think about that? It starts with understanding that all great companies, all great sports teams, all great organizations, doesn't matter, are built on a three-tiered pyramid. The bottom of the pyramid is the foundation. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those foundational principles in place, you're dead. So it's kind of like the culture, I guess, if you will. Culture, vision, yep. mission, values in which you run every decision by, the core right. competencies of, of what you stand for. Yep. It's, the, it's the barriers that you don't go outside of. The second part of the pyramid are the systems. You have to have systems that people are willing to (coughs) execute perfectly, flawlessly, 100% of the time. So that what you're doing in Charleston is the exact same way service that you're you're giving in North Carolina, Greensboro, Chapel Hill, and so forth. The top of the pyramid are the people. And when you have the first two in place, 
you don't have to always find the best people, you have to find the right people. And the right people are the ones who will execute the system that are built on the foundation. And so when I started three and a half, you know, almost four years ago, 24 clubs meant 24 different cultures, 24 different ways of doing things. And so that's where everything started, was laying the foundational principles, putting in the systems so that we can then hire the right people to gotcha. execute those systems. So how strategic are you when you're going through the hiring process or how, like, what, what happens, what, do you, what, what positions do you approve and what positions do you basically, you know, set parameters? Like, we want these types of people. I mean, I've been, um, I've been thinking more and more about my business as, like, I'm, like, an offensive coordinator. Well, like, I, I watch that guy, like, uh, the Rams coach. Like, I love that guy. He's, like, I got these, like, laminates right now. I'll just show you one of my laminates. And I feel like I start talking to people, like, all right, dude, this is what we're working on. I like, have it, like, in front of my face. Almost like it's a joke, but I'm kind of <laughs> serious, you know? And, um, you know, so how much control do you give? And how much is it, like, based on, like, all right, if I, fit, if I set the foundation right and everyone knows what, you know, what play we're running, then I just hire the right people and they hire the right people. How do you, how do you think about that? Absolutely, it, it, it starts with putting a hiring process together, yeah. training everyone who does it, and really taking it to a different level. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer most people don't know how to interview other people. Sure. They know how to ask questions, they know how to nod their head, but they don't know really how to read people, how to dig. And so my entire hiring philosophy is about how do you put people in situations where they don't realize they're being interviewed, where they it's unscripted, where they can't BS you with the, the typical Q&A. What's your strengths and weaknesses? And what Absolutely. do people say about you that you need improvement? And, this, and, the, and the same boring answers. Right, right, right. That, I'm uh, an overachiever. I I'm do too many things, right? I lead by example. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all, all, all the same cheesy answers. And so... It's putting that system in place to have the team execute it. Now, I'm still directly involved with most leadership positions, any executive positions, uh -huh. I, I'll do the hiring, but I'm a believer in doing multiple interviews with multiple people in multiple environments. And so even for general manager positions, even though we'll have area directors and regional directors, uh, I always do the last one, not even as an interview, but right. just to have a conversation. So I set the foundation for any potential leader who's going to join Got O2 it. Fitness. Okay, so let, let's talk about the industry. You know, obviously there's a lot of segmentation going on right now. And, you know, when you and I started in the industry, you know, in the late 90s, you'd be like, oh, what industry? I'm in the health club industry. Now it's like, all right, I'm in the low cost, high volume segment. I'm in the middle market, high amenity. Um, you know, I'm in the boutique. I'm in the... In, in the uh, in a country club market. So, you know, maybe instead of me just telling people what I think about the middle market and like all the amenities, why don't you kind of define for our, our, our listeners here, you know, what, where does O2 fit? What's the promise that you guys are delivering on and, and how to, you know, what's the price point and, and the value proposition? Yeah, we're certainly in the middle, uh, higher end middle. Our new clubs, our signature clubs, they're, they're, they're uh, big clubs, beautiful clubs, high amenities. Uh, we don't do pools, but we do big turf areas, multiple turf areas. Okay. Uh, at our new club, uh, we've got one that's almost half the size of a football field. And uh, a lot of functional training. We specialize in uh, you know, nice cardio areas, nice amenities, and so forth. So we're in that middle uh, high value. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because 
years ago, I remember people saying that that wasn't a good space to be in. Right. And, and, and I think what happened was there's a lot of people who chose not to be in that middle ground. So they went one way or the other, right. which allowed us to really thrive by putting in the right systems uh, to, to really specialize in that middle ground. Yeah. So um, somebody who was saying to me the other day, oh, the middle market's dead. I'm like, do you know that the middle market... <laughs> has got group exercise classes, and those group exercise classes are what basically 25, 30% of the people want. Uh, you know, not they don't want to necessarily just go to a Planet Fitness and get on a treadmill. They also need, need and want and must have daycare um, because, you know, a lot of people in, uh, you know, where I live in New York, where they, in LA, you know, they've either got their kids in like some kind of, you know, after school program or they've got a nanny and, you know, like people don't necessarily think about you know, in, in most suburban markets, if you got a kid between, you know, three months and five years old, like, they're coming with you. Like, Absolutely. Like, I used to go to, like, the, uh, you know, carpet store with my mom, you know, like, and <laughs> I just saw, I think it was, like, a Seinfeld episode or something. They're talking about, like, you know, like, when a kid's uh, under five, like, they just walk around with their, their mom to wherever their mom's going. And, like, at some point, they, their legs just give out and they're just laying on the floor. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So being able to get a workout in and, and be able to drop your kid off for like a dollar or two dollars per visit or as part of the membership, I mean, is a huge component, I think, to the middle market that people don't fully appreciate. And that part of it's key and, yeah. and critical to what we do. And our, our, our new clubs, we're building beautiful kids clubs. And engaging with the children is probably more important than uh, engaging with the parents. Yeah. So, you know, as you look forward and you say, okay, here's where O2's position now. Obviously, got one club uh, in the works. And, uh, you know, and I know Michael and, and you know, what, what he's been able to do and, and uh, you know, on the family side and their, and their growth and their background. You know, do you, do you see this as a, a regional play? Do you have aspirations to go bigger? Do you say, hey, look, we're delivering on a promise and, you know, we'll grow as we, as we desire to, but we're not wed to any... Uh, you know, investment time horizon or, you know, we'll, we'll grow when, when, when it feels right or how do you think about that? Absolutely. And, and I think over the last few years, we've really been able to hone in and on what our core competency is a, as a business. It's mm -hmm. not just any acquisition that gets put in front of us. Uh, we will grow as the opportunity shows it. Yep. I still look at the current 30 clubs and feel like we have so much work to do to make those better. Sure. And we will wake up every day to say, how do we just get a little bit better? at what we're currently doing. Mm -hmm. And then we will go look at uh, other markets, current markets, how do we solidify those? And like you said, we'll grow as the opportunity presents itself. We are not tied to a number. If five, 10 years from now comes and we're still at 30 clubs, we'll be five to 10 years better at those 30. If we're at 100, then we'll know that we made the right decisions based on our core competencies. Got it. So um, just a couple like, uh technical or like organizational questions, you know, as you, as you've grown and, and being the COO of this business, what's the appropriate uh, number of clubs for like, uh, you know, a district manager or regional manager where you say, okay, look, I'm, you know, you're responsible for these six or eight or 10, like what, what's, what's like your comfort zone, uh, you know, giving someone uh, a regional or, or responsibility. Cause I, some people come into us and say like, all right, when I get to this, what's my org chart look like? And there's different views on it. Like, there's one guy I know who's got like 62 direct reports, and I'm like, bro, you need to, you need, to, you need to man up a little because this ain't gonna work for too long. Yeah, for for us, and, and it's something I've been playing around with for the last few years. And uh, our our sweet spot right now is 
uh, an area director that will oversee three to five clubs, depending on the size, depending on the market. Okay. And then we have uh, a regional that oversees all of North Carolina and a regional director that oversees all of South Carolina. Gotcha. And then what do you do on the billing side? Who do you work with on that front? Club ready. Gotcha. And, and, and working on the, uh, the outsource billing that, that uh, you know, allows you to grow without having to have your own, like a couple of guys that still have their own tech teams and mm-hmm. software development and so on and so forth. So that's yeah, working. It is, you know, there, there, there's always going to be challenges and, uh, but it, it certainly allows us to, to grow as needed. Great, great. So any, um, you know, from, as you kind of grew into your management role, any, uh, like quotes that you, uh, that you throw out with your team or like, uh, you know, that's like a Sean Stewart, you know, special or, you know, <laughs> anything that came across from like sports or anything else that you kind of hone in on and be like, okay, this is kind of always in the back of my mind. I've, I've got a few Sean-isms. Right, that, fire, uh, <laughs> fire them away, bro. I love these. I love it. So one of my favorite quotes is wise men learn from their mistakes. Successful men learn from other mistakes and don't make them to begin with. And as much as I want us to make aggressive mistakes because we're trying new things, I always challenge people to study successful people and learn from their mistakes so we don't have to make them. Right. Uh, another one that I probably say a hundred times a day, especially when I'm doing club walkthroughs, is we need to clean, clean things. If you're cleaning something that's dirty, it's too late. And like have, that. having that culture of keeping things 100% clean is the foundational principles of where everything should start when you're running a health club. I like that. The only, the only part I would differ on is on the clean, clean things is my my sister makes my niece and my nephew clean themselves like too much where the fact that when there is a virus or something <laughs> that like in the wind, like the kid doesn't have an immune <laughs> system for it because he's never seen it before. I can imagine. Yeah, so he's like, uh, he's, he's got to live in a bubble. So we got to get him out of the bubble. But clean, clean things I think is a... Is one I'm going to have to uh, use, and I'll and I'll give you props on that. Thank um, you. So you know, as, as you see the industry moving forward, um, you know, in closing here, you know, how, how do you feel about you know where things have evolved over over time? When you know, you used to say you work in the health club industry. You know, uh, my mom used to say to me like, "Oh, when are you going to get a real job?" And <laughs> you know, what is this? What what trade show are you going to that supposedly is important? You know, <laughs> so like, how how do you kind of feel about? where we're at, the amount of capital that's coming in, you know, the, obviously there's pros and cons to, to big competitors, but it probably you know, typically makes you stronger. Absolutely, it, it, it's a fascinating industry and it's a fascinating time to be in the industry, but it can also be a scary time. Uh, that, that fear, I think is what makes us better, makes us stronger, makes us think more. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a panel discussion tomorrow and it reminded me 10 years ago when I was on a panel here at URSA, and I think it was my 10th URSA. And about halfway through, I stopped and started challenging the people on the panel that I was on with about, I'm hearing the same things that I heard 10 years ago. I'm hearing the same answers, the same responses. How do we creatively find a way to discount a membership? How do we bribe someone yeah. to, to retain them or to refer someone? And I told them then, now is the time that we have to be better right. at thinking of new ideas. And then I challenged the audience to do the same thing. I said, it's not just about us on this panel. It's about you and the audience challenging us and asking better questions. That's a good point. And I, th- I think we've, we've come a long way, but there's still a lot of things in our industry that we're stuck in the, the old ages. Yeah. And uh, you know, moving forward with, with technology, if you're not embracing it, you're going to be dead. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so it's definitely uh, definitely exciting times. I'm glad to hear about the growth of O2. I'm glad we we got to finally meet in person. Right. And uh, you know, look forward to your continued success. And let's uh, let's keep in touch and see how things go. And then invite me over so I can hit some. Uh, 40 yard dashes on the uh, on the new turf in, love uh, that. in Greensboro. Yeah, I'll put on my tank top, maybe get my back shaved, and I'll be ready to roll. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, man. Congrats. Good to meet you. Thank you very Appreciate much. Nice to meet you.